everybody. Hey, I need your participation right off the bat. Uh, so I'm going to need someone else to come preach. I'm just kidding. But uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to raise your hand if this applies to you. I'm just curious. Uh, have you ever had a, a day, a week, some of you might say it's longer, uh, where it felt like the waves were extra more high and crashing in on you? Have you ever had that experience? Okay. I'm guessing east and downtown. Yeah, same. Okay, good. Just one. I was curious if the sermon would be relatable. So that helps me know. No, uh, a long time ago, uh, other people who were following the way of Jesus would have answered the same way. If I had asked, like, a long, long time ago, hey, who kind of feels like the waves are crashing in, that, that life seems uncertain and crazy for whatever reason, and it would feel like uh, that, they, that life was after them, and those early Christians would have, would have raised hands. And so with that context, I want to show you something in the Bible. It's beautiful, but, but very, very real. Hebrews 6 says this, therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge. Now stop for a second, refuge. Most people don't say, you know what, this has been the most amazing day, so I fled for refuge. That gives you a little bit of an indication, if you're fleeing for, ref, from, like for refuge, that, that you've got Let's use our terminology that you've got the waves crashing in at you. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. So confidence, refuge, confidence. This hope is a strong and trustworthy, help me with this, anchor for our souls. If you were to read uh, the whole New Testament, you're not going to find a bunch of references that are metaphorical or anything like that talking about our souls and anchors and all that. You'll, you'll read about literal like boats having anchors and things like that. But this is a special place. This is a place that I think you and I could say, you know what, uh, that. I'd like to have confidence in God and I, I want to have hope. So if you go back to ancient Christianity, like second and third century. Let me show you how much this anchor talk meant to them. This is a tombstone. Um, man, I am struggling with distraction. All I think about is pizza. I say the word tombstone and all. Anyways, man, a lot. This is a second, third century tombstone. What I'm going to show you, I hope you, you obviously see some markings on it, right? And I don't know, maybe, maybe you've asked yourself the question, you know, what will be written on my tombstone and all that kind of stuff. Well, this is, this is a, what we know is this would have been a Christian's tombstone. And the reason is you notice it didn't say this was a Christian's tombstone. Uh, one of the symbols, you see the fish, right? Uh, some of you, you have this on, on the back of your car. So when you drive bad... So a symbol that you were following the way of Jesus was, was the fish. But you'll notice, and hopefully you've, you caught this right off the bat, you'll notice in the middle uh, an anchor, right? So let me give you some, some help with this because this is a big deal. So in the early, early, early times of Christianity, it was super, super unpopular to be a Christian. Your life was in danger. Your job was in danger. Your social status was in danger. So to tell another person uh, out and about like, that you were a Christian, you often meant you'd be persecuted. 
So if you put that you were a Christian assembled, like nowadays, a lot of times there's a, there's a cross on a tombstone, right? If you had done that way back when, they would have destroyed your tombstone. And you're like, you tell me who and their names and number, right? Like, I know, that, I know that's, that's horrible, but that's what they would do. So Christians would have symbols, not to worship those symbols, but symbols that meant something to them but what they believed. And it was long-standing that Christians would say, the waves are crashing in on us, and we want hope, and Jesus is our hope, so we're going to stay planted. We're going to stay firm in our faith. So the anchor was a long time, has been a long time symbol of Christianity. Even to the fact, I don't know what some of you are going to think about this, we can even trace some tattoos. I'm just trying to get a feel. Where I'm like, what? Second, third century tattoos that, that would, they, they, they couldn't put a, a cross, but they could put an anchor and not get like persecuted for it. But it was a symbol. They would make jewelry with, with anchors, earrings with anchors. And the purpose was that they wanted to display in some way and remember in some way that their hope, no matter what's crashing around them, they're going to stay firm in their faith even if they're going to die for it. It's beautiful when you think about it. And some of you are like, David, I see a cross inside the anchor. Did they know? Yes, they knew. (laughs) They were smart. And they were hiding a cross on their tombstones, signifying, though, our faith is in Jesus and it stands firm no matter what. Now, you don't need me to teach you a whole lot about anchors um you know that if you're in a boat and you don't want the boat to go places what do you do you you drop anchor uh you otherwise you're gonna end up leaving your fishing hole or you're gonna whatever's gonna go on or if it's a storm you're gonna end up like drifting and so here's your lesson you want to write this down anchors prevent drifting for those of you want to get into boating i'm here to serve you Now, I wanted this up because I want to say something that you know. But when I thought about it, it was helpful for me. Um, Anchors prevent drifting. They don't stop the storm. You don't, if if you're out and about in a boat and you're like, rain's coming in, get the anchor. You don't don't throw it at at the wind and say, man, that really helped. That fixed it, right? You see, see, I'm telling you, when it comes to walk with Jesus, this is what some of us are doing. We're, we're so overwhelmed by the storms that we're facing right now and walking through. We think the answer is, stop the storm, stop the storm, stop the storm. I think you should give some attention to the anchors. Now, let me, let me walk you into all that I'm talking about because this is I think it'd be helpful. Anchors, uh, in our context, are spiritual disciplines. Now, I know as soon as I say the word disciplines, all of a sudden it's like, oh, man. Listen, this is crucial to your hope. If waves ever come crashing in on you, you're going to want to at least go back and and watch this message because you're going to have to go like, how do I not get shipwrecked in the midst of this storm? So spiritual disciplines. I was talking to uh, my daughter and, you know, as a pastor, right? Hey, sweetie, tell me everything you know about spiritual disciplines. This is on the way to school. 7.30 in the morning. 
See, that's why none of you want me to take you to school. You're like, I don't know what in the world are we talking about right now? And, and we were just had a good conversation. I, and, and, and she basically, in other words, said, Dad, it might be helpful if you describe what spiritual disciplines actually are. Even though I know what they are, Dad, but why don't you just tell me just as a refresher course. So here we go. Spiritual disciplines, anchors, the habits, practices, and experiences to develop, grow, and strengthen. They're designed to be in your life, not just like one and done, that there's a habitual process to this. You need this in your life. Uh, activities, not attitudes. This is not like, is one of the disciplines the power of positive thinking? No. Some of you, you're, you're positive thinkers. You wake up and and you and I will have a conversation. Like, how are you doing, David? I'm like, it's getting cold. Yeah, but David, the sun will come up. <laughs> what? Right? It's not positive thinking. The spiritual disciplines are not like, just grit it out, just think better. It's deeper than that. Deeper than that. Uh, they fight atrophy and apathy. You should do a bit of some research on those words and learn what those words really, really mean. If you've ever felt... Like your connection to God was either dying or boring or dry or complacent. And you're like, how do I jumpstart this? I would bring up anchor conversations with you. And then if you're ever raised in a, a legalistic setting, uh, they're a means, not an end. In other words, this is not a way to get God to like you. Don't use it that way. Don't all of a sudden say, uh, Pastor brought up spiritual discipline, so, so I, need, I, want, I want God to like really smile when he sees me. So I got to pray, I got to go to church, I got to do all these things. No, 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 no. These are anchors designed that you and I don't fake hope, have hope. We have real hope. So this is a means, a process to it. I think Jesus referred to these, by the way. Let me show you something. Uh, Matthew 11 has been a, a beautiful yet frustrating part of the Bible to many. Uh, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Now just stop. It's beautiful, right? If you need rest, if you, if you have a, a heavy burden, the Bible says, Jesus says that you and I are to go to Jesus, and he will help us with our burden. Come on. Like, that sounds absolutely amazing. Here's the frustration part for many of us. Where is he and how do we get to him? I'm talking the logical, like, come to me. Okay, Jesus, where are you at? I, I'm just trying to physically illustrate where a lot of us are like, how did he know we thought that way? Because I do too. Like, like come to me? You're like, how? Anchors. Come to me, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy and have carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Which for some of us, like, please, yes, thank you very much. Uh, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Yes, please sign me up for that. Jesus has extended this to anyone and everyone. That if you and I will go to him. It's not like, get in line. <laughs> if you and I go to Jesus, he's like, man, what you're carrying is pretty heavy. Can I help you with that? What you're wrestling with is daunting. I want to help you with that. This is what Jesus has offered. And many of us have been like, sounds wonderful. I wonder when I'll get to meet him or see him. And he's like, all the time. 
Uh, Richard Foster, well-known author who has written a ton about spiritual disciplines. If, if you disregard the rest of the sermon, you're like, I just want to read about this on my own. Okay, Richard Foster wrote a ton of great stuff. Here, the disciplines allow us to place ourselves before God so that he can transform us. Okay, can I clear something up? I feel like I need to clear something up. Stop going to church simply because your grandma told you to just go to church. Do you know why you've had people in your life, probably, who have said, you should be going to church, you should read your Bible, you should pray. Do you want to know whether they meant or not what they should have told you? You want God to transform you. You want him in your life to transform you, like real stuff. I love what Richard Foster brings up is spiritual disciplines are approaching God. It's a way to actually approach God and say, God, will you transform me through what I'm about to read? My conversation with you, my conversation with another godly person, my time of worship. It's our agenda is not to earn salvation, it's to be transformed. I love the quote, but my my favorite one's this next one. The grace of God is unearned and unearnable. I don't know if unearnable is a word, but I still like it. Uh, But if we ever expect to grow in grace, we must pay the price of a consciously chosen course of action. We say you have a role with your soul, right? There, There is something about you and God that you don't earn him, but there's work. If no one's ever told you that there's different kinds of spiritual disciplines. If some of you been like, but what are these? Uh, here's here's a, a general look at them. Uh, there's inward ones, like, uh, and I just selected random ones. Uh, meditation, now some of you are like, I don't think meditation is Christian. Um, it is. What and who you meditate on is an important factor of that. Meditation is often just sitting and being quiet and thinking about God. That was probably four or five seconds, and how weird was that? It shouldn't be weird to you. You feel that? How some of us would say it kind of feels unnatural. And I think this is evidence of our problem. That we don't have simply just sitting and listening, nailed down. Uh, I'll talk about fasting. Uh, Don't worry, it's not a requirement to be a part of the rest of the series. But uh, we'll we'll talk about it. uh, Bible study, that, that it's a spiritual discipline. Some are like, but I don't know, but it's a discipline to read your Bible and learn. Uh, outward, simplicity is a spiritual discipline. This might blow your minds. Saying no to things can be an act of worship. Did you know this? Like sometimes saying, I'm not going to buy that, isn't just good financial decisions. Sometimes it's no, the spiritual discipline of living a simple life so that I can be ready to do whatever God wants me to do. Sometimes simplicity is, hey, I've got margin. I'm not gonna be able to tell someone I'm so busy, I'm losing my mind, what do I do? Having margin 
is actually spiritual discipline. Some of you are like, but I can't, I'm type A. I just can't, I can't. No. Discipline. Uh, serving, uh, discipline. Then there's the corporate part. And I know corporate's like, corporate, I don't like anything corporate. Corporate is a, is a better word, though, is what do you and I do together? And Scripture will teach that, you, that actually when you and I get together and, and, and meet with God, do you know that the Bible literally says special, supernatural things happen? Like something significant goes to a whole nother level. Celebration, confession. So let me teach you a little bit more about anchors that you may not know. Uh, no anchor means you'll be drifting at sea. You guys just aren't taking notes. It's really heartbreaking. You know this. So let me say, I love you, church. Willie loves me. But I got to get into your life for a second. I know you know with a boat that if you don't put an anchor down, the boat's going to drift. So I gotta get more personal with you. If you're drifting, I think it's because you're distracted. If you want me to just get, I'm, I, I'm gonna go there, okay? Whether you like it or not. And for you and I to process, like why don't I have spiritual disciplines or anchors in my life? Why, why when storms come, do I just blow up at my spouse or yell at my kids? Or why don't we ever have extra money or any margin? Why is everything always destroying us? I would say it's likely because you're distracted not because God's left you. There's warnings in the Bible about distractions. Let me, let me show you. If you're, if you're dating or married, there's chapters warning you not to get married, just so you know. I know that sounds weird, but there's actually, it talks about like, you sure you want to get married? Uh, I know in our culture, like, yeah, you got to get married. Now there's warnings. And talking about marriage and dating and engagement and all that. I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best. What keeps you from doing that with as few distractions as possible? Married couples, you don't need to nod your heads. <laughs> but my guess is there is a season where your marriage was like, that was amazing. And I would say, I bet an attribute of that was you weren't distracted. Uh, if you worry all the time, don't nudge anybody on this one, but let's just say, let's pretend like you know somebody who worries and stuff. Uh, the seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out. You're distracted, right? I mean, you're reading, crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. Some of us are consumed by things up here, and so all the more we need to fight distraction. And then maybe the ultimate warning for all of us, Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world. I will reread this. Don't get distracted by this world. And if you need help with this, uh, Pastor David's going to raise his hand on this. I am as guilty as you are that you're willing to be honest about this. It's so easy to get distracted. And let Scripture speak to your soul. Do not be conformed. Like, what's that mean? Don't get distracted, but be transformed. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. In other words, do something else that you're supposed to do. Let your mind be renewed that by 
testing, you may discern what is the will of God. Huh. It's hard to know the will of God if you're distracted. Basic, but I think profound. Thank you, Bible. What is good and acceptable and perfect? Do you want that stuff? Here, we're drifting because we're distracted. You know that. You heard that, right? So um, I listen to a lot of books. Some of you, you, your favorite thing in life is to go into your special place in your house, open up a book, and spend the rest of the day just reading. <laughs> Not me. So I know the value of reading. Uh, someone once told me, and it took me a while, but I, anyways, I, so I read a lot now, but when I say, when I tell you I read a lot, I, I read some paper books, I listen to a lot of books, because I'm in the car a lot, delivering children to places. So I was going through, and I, 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 it's time to get some more books, and, and a book was recommended to me that I was like, who would ever buy that book? That sounds horrible. 12 ways your phone is changing you. Information I don't want to know, right? Anyone else? You're like, sure, I believe it might be for another time. So I got it because I thought, I wonder what it says. So I listened to it. We have a problem, people. Now, I've seen some of you drive while you text. This is your public service announcement. Stop it. Uh, I'm not going to read the book to you. I'm not going to read the book to you. But this guy did a bunch of research. I'll just show you the table of contents. How about that? We'll go safe here. This is just table of contents. This is not a summary of the book. Uh, this is just a table of contents. Oh, this is going to be fun. We are addicted to distractions. Some of you are like, no, I'm not. I'm just responsive. We are addicted to distraction. We ignore our flesh and blood. This is just the table of contents. We crave immediate approval. We lose our literacy. We feed on the produced. We become like what we like. Oh, there's a sermon series there. We get lonely. We get comfortable in secret vices. We lose meaning. We fear missing out. We become harsh to one another. We lose our place in time. That's just the table of content. He, he obviously expounds on each one of those. What's grueling to you and I, that's just what your phone's doing. That doesn't even mention some relational problems, health problems, financial that's just your phone. Now, don't miss it. David, Pastor David said we can't have phones anymore. Can't have phones. No, no. I think you and I should be willing to admit that it's not other people that are distracted that maybe we're all facing this. Some of us are so distracted that we think if we could just get the distraction out, that would fix all our problems. Like, maybe, maybe, maybe God, if you would just fix that person, then I'm all yours, man. Just... Yeah, fix them, and then I'm all yours. Or, or if you just, God, if you just give me a little bit extra money, then, then I'm going to be so much more focused, and I'm going to be all about you. I'm, gonna be, I'm all for you. God, if, and a lot of us right now are passing uh, the buck, as they say. We're saying, God, if you would, 
Here's what I think is going on. God fixed this problem, and I'm cautious to speak on behalf of God, but I think according to Scripture, God's like, no, use the anchors. I'm not suggesting that if you have a problem that you shouldn't speak to God. I'm, I'm going to preach on it in this series. If you got something, bring it to God. But then what, right? What about the 10 seconds after you say amen? What's then your responsibility? And it's, I would, God's like, use the anchors. So we're, we're, we're trying to fight stuff. Listen, drop the anchors. Put the anchors down. Spiritual disciplines so that the storm doesn't screw your life up. Or worse, so the storm doesn't destroy your faith. Because isn't that what storms do? The devil weasels in there and says, you got a storm. God must not like you anymore. And he's like, oh, I love him. And I told him what to do. Use the anchors. It's going to require work, right? It's kind of like the, the disappointing part. You go to the gym. You sign up, then you don't go again. You're like, why am I not getting in shape? It's weird. I thought the membership would do something for me. Because right? there's work. Philippians chapter 2. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard. And what? Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Notice here, it does not say work hard so you can get saved. You catching that? You gotta read the Bible correctly. It does not say work hard so God likes you extra special. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So here's your question, church. You knew I was gonna get here. Are you drifting or anchored down? And I'll speak very pastorally, okay? I think there's a scary amount of Christians drifting right now. And then we have a bad day, bad moment, bad conversation, bad tragedy, bad way, and, and, and we go down. So here's your practical lesson. Here's your dad lesson. Uh, anchors, they're standard, not optional. I know we like, oh, this is like extra credit Christian stuff he's talking about. Maybe I'll get to it if I get a bad grade. No, no, standard, not optional. I read recently, this is going to mess with some of you and you won't hear the rest of the sermon. I am aware of this. 30% of new vehicles do not come with a spare tire anymore. Some of you are like, I'm out. Right, now you got to go check your car. You're ready to go. See you later. What I read was 30% of new vehicles no longer have a jack, spare tire. Some of you are like, I, this, is, this is my application to the sermon. You're literally going to go look. So here's what I read happened. Uh, you can argue it or whatever, but here's what, here's what I read. Uh, the government told the automakers, you have to have a certain uh, miles per gallon kind of stuff going on by a certain date. And so you and I would be like, yeah, so fix your engines. Do something different, right? And they're like, mm, we're just going to lighten the cars for a little bit. So, so what they literally did is they got rid of some of the most heavy stuff in your vehicle, which happened to be a spare tire and jack and all that. 
Now, there, I think there's a little other motivation. It also uh, lowered the automaker's costs. So now, if you're lucky enough to buy a car, sometimes they'll say, hey, would you like to add on a spare tire? And if you've had this conversation, you're like, for, for free? I'm like, no, it's only 300 to $600. What kind of spare tire do you want? You know? You want one to go 20 miles? Do you want one to go 40? 40 is real expensive. Some of you are mad now because you're like, yeah, I did experience. <laughs> when it comes to your faith, when it comes to your relationship with God, what have you been considered considering optional? Think about it. And I would tell you, there are standard things like anchors that you better not go cheap on. First uh, Timothy. Uh, do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales on social media. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Interesting words. Maybe you weren't raised this way. Train yourself to be godly. You're like, I'm not just born godly, or I don't, once I get baptized, am I just godly? Train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard. Stop for a second. Can you say that about yourself and your relationship with God? This is why we work hard and continue to struggle for our hope is in the living God and who is the Savior of all people and particularly of all believers. And now some of you are like, I bet he just found that one part of the Bible. Probably it doesn't say that elsewhere. Good question. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs but only one person gets the prize unless you're in 2022 and you get... I'm going to stick to my notes. That's, anyway. Woo, focus. So run to win. Some of you are not running to win right now. Some of you are walking just to make it. Never let the devil rob you of the fact that life is designed to win. Run to win. I don't care what age you are, what money you make, how healthy or not healthy you are. It doesn't matter. You run to win. And if you're going to win, there's work. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I might myself be disqualified. So the warning, the longer you drift, the more vulnerable you become. And some of us are super vulnerable right now. And there will be a storm coming. I'm sorry to give you bad news. Not one of us, myself included, are going to live the rest of our life storm-free. 
The longer you don't put anchors in, the more vulnerable you become to that. Then one of my favorite pastors and writers, Mark Batterson, if you want to know what's at stake, the only ceiling on your intimacy with God, the only ceiling on your intimacy with God and impact on this world is your spiritual disciplines. Your ceiling, your lid, what holds you back. So uh, I'll, I'll occasionally meet with folks and, and we'll talk about preaching and public speaking and stuff like that. And as a guy who is terrified of it, I know that sounds weird to you anyways, but anyways, uh, I talk about one of the things that whenever you do public speaking, whenever you preach, whenever you talk, there should be an application. There should be more than, so here's some information. There should be like, I, I, I want to help you know, like, what do I do with that? I'm thinking, so what do we do? Well, the rest of this series is, I want to teach all through this. Anchors. So here's your application. Don't just sign up for a gym and never show up. I'm not going to beg you, convict you, or course you. But there will be a day that you cry to God and say, I need hope. And I would love to help you have anchors to where when that day comes, or maybe even, maybe even better, I would love to help you know anchors so you can pass them on to other people. Show up. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, forgive us for the moments that we put lids on ourselves. God, I pray right now, for those right now in the midst of a storm, I'm sure there's many, Lord, would you, would you come right into our lives in the midst of our storm and give us peace? Lord, um, for those on the verge of even quitting, would you step in? Would you send people into their lives and say, no, don't quit, don't quit? Would you give them community and or would you speak to them in a way they need to hear you? But Lord, uh, we commit to you. We're gonna do the work necessary have the hope that you've delivered. We pray this in your name. Amen.